stand with me, church, if you would. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that truly indeed brings insight, understanding, and the flow of your anointing into our lives. We thank you for your precious gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I speak life and favor out over this congregation, and I pray, Holy Spirit, use me. Use me to encourage them. Use me to strengthen them. Your word flowing through me, my God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We bind the works of the enemy, the liar, the deceiver, the ones to bring bondage into our lives, and we loose the anointing of God out over this congregation to bring healing, to bring salvation, to bring deliverance in the name of our Christ and our King. I speak peace out over every household, every family represented in this place and those watching us online. We declare the goodness, the goodness of God to overtake you, to overtake you in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. And we thank you, Father God. Thank you for the truth of your word that just continues to bubble up within our soul changing us from glory to glory. And we thank you now in Jesus' precious, precious name. And all of God's people said together in agreement, amen. And amen, we have our word of life confession. Make your proclamation known into the realms of the heavenlies and declare it from the depths of your heart. Here we go. Jesus, be glorified in my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome your presence. My heart is open to receive the ever-living never changing word of God. The word that is changing my life, healing my body, setting me free. My faith is growing and I am living in the favor of my God. I declare it, I believe it, and I receive it by faith. For I am blessed again. One more. I am blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you're blessed, give him a praise. Hallelujah. He is worthy of it. Amen and amen. Well, my wife and I were walking out of Panera the other day. And um, we happened to encounter a woman in the parking lot who was uh, just very, very hysterically crying. And so we stopped and we wanted to minister to her. And uh, we said, what, what's, what, what's, what's wrong? What's the matter? And uh, she said, well, I lost $200. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was so moved and, and, and had such compassion. I gave her $50 out of the 200 I found. <laughs> now that's compassion. That's compassion. Absolutely. <laughs> 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. <laughs> She's still laughing at that. I mean, <laughs> dear children, the end of this age is near. Nearer now than what it's ever been. You have heard that Antichrist is arising. And in fact, many enemies of Christ have already appeared. And this is how we know that we are living in the closing hour of this age. If John could speak that then, how much more today? 
How much more today? For even though they were once a part, a part of us, they withdrew from us because they were never really of our number. For if they had truly belonged to us, they would have continued with us by leaving our community of believers. They made it obvious that they never really belonged to us. Now watch verse 20. But the Holy One has anointed you and you all know the truth. So I'm writing you not because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And no lie belongs to the truth. Now, I want you to understand something, and I've declared this, you've heard us say this before, but the scripture tells us that we have been anointed. We see this right here in 1 John chapter 2, that God has anointed us as believers. And the anointing, truly indeed, as we talked last week, destroys yokes of bondage. In fact, that my heart was drawn toward revisiting Isaiah chapter 10 again this morning, early this morning. And I began to write some things down that I felt that the Holy Spirit was ministering to me concerning Isaiah chapter 10 and especially verse, 20, verse 27. I want to read a portion of that scripture referring back to verse 24 in Isaiah chapter 10. So this is what the Lord, the Lord of heaven's army says. Oh, my people of Zion. Now, this is, I believe, very strongly a prophetic word about the church and what the Lord has done for us through sending Jesus Christ to die for our sin. Oh, people in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians or your enemy when they oppress you with rod and club as the Egyptians did long ago. In a little while, my anger against you will end and then my anger will rise up to destroy them. The Lord of heaven's armies will lash them with his whip as he did with Gideon, as he did when Gideon triumphed over the Midianites at the rock of Oreb. Or when the Lord's staff was raised to drown the Egyptian army in the sea. Verse 27, we talked about it last week. In that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. And the more I thought about this, I thought this is so much a prophetic word for the church today. Israel had been delivered over to the Assyrians because of their sin. But that did not negate the love that God has or had and has for Israel. And so we see that God broke the bondages and promised to break the bondage that the Assyrian or the enemy placed over the children of God. And we see that that very bondage has been broken over our lives when God the Father sent Jesus Christ into this world to defeat the works of hell. And now, <clears throat> and now the... Um, the, the oppression, if you will, the bondage that the enemy has laid upon God's people has been destroyed through that anointing. Remember what the angels said when they said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. God was proclaiming to all mankind that the war between God and man was over. The war between God and man was over. First John chapter three says this, the son of God came 
to destroy the works of the devil. The Lord will end the bondage of his people. First John chapter three, the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews chapter two, through death, Jesus destroyed, not will destroy, has destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and released those who were in bondage to the fear of death. And now, now the war is over between God and man. God will no longer deliver us over to our enemies. That doesn't mean that the enemy can't take advantage of us. When we open the door to the enemy, he will rush in like a flood. But the point is, we need to walk according to the truth of the word of God in order that we can keep that door closed. Paul says, don't give any place to the devil, none. Luke chapter two, I spoke at the angels saying, peace on earth, goodwill toward men or mankind. Isaiah 53, God has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Revelation chapter 13, all these scriptures tie together to show the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. God's plan from the very beginning was fulfilled with the slaying of the Lamb of God. Paid man's penalty, God is no longer angry with man. He vented his anger on man, on Jesus Christ. That's good news. That's good news for you and for me. First John chapter two, verse two. Jesus is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and also the sins of all the world. The sins of all the world. And so the war between, I can't say it enough because we need to get it into our soul, into our understanding, because many of God's people still walk in great bondage, thinking that God is angry with them. Sin's debt has been paid in full through Jesus Christ. And now we can walk in glorious freedom, glorious understanding, because Jesus Christ was the fulfillment, or God the Father, giving or expressing the anointing that Isaiah speaks of. Jesus Christ is that expression of that anointing. God the Father truly indeed gave anointing through Christ our Lord. And what did Jesus do? He then, when he left this earth, he sent again the anointing that could dwell upon us as mankind because the war between God and man is over. And so that anointing was once again expressed, but that anointing now can live and dwell within every believer within every child of God. And what does the anointing do? It destroys the yoke. It destroys satanic yokes of bondage. 
Who in here has not struggled with some form of bondage? Some of us are still struggling with great forms of bondage here this morning. But I tell you that through the anointing, the the Amplified Bible says through the fatness or the abundance of God's presence. Jesus Christ was that expression of the abundance of God's presence. In fact, John the Baptist said that Jesus has the anointing or the spirit of God without limit. But that is, of course, Man did not receive that anointing as of yet, but Jesus walked in the fullness of that anointing. So what did he do? He goes to the Father, sends the Holy Spirit. Now we can be possessed with that anointing that Jesus lived and walked and abided in when he walked here on this earth as believers. That is mind-boggling. That will not compute within our minds. We must receive it by faith and then work it out into our soul that it overtakes the way we think. And if it overtakes the way we think, it will overtake the way we speak. We will speak life and not death. We will live life and not death. Jesus Christ destroyed the works of the devil and broke the bondage of people who had the fear of death in their lives and that fear of death controlled them. Bondages that the enemy has placed upon us, things that we've carried, luggage that we've carried from our past life into our Christian life, issues that still bother us, things like unforgiveness, Things like worry, anxieties. These are bondages. Anger. And I'm not talking about righteous anger. There is a righteous indignation. I touched on this on Wednesday evening. And in my personal opinion, I feel that the church needs to rise up stronger in righteous indignation because of what we see happening in our country today. But if the church remains passive, if the church remains calm, if the church remains in a place of inconsistency, raises no voice against the powers of hell that's endeavoring to to strangle our nation, then the enemy will succeed. But the church needs to rise up in some righteous indignation as Jesus rose up with righteous indignation when he entered into the temple, took a whip, began to upset the tables because he knew that his father's house was being profaned. Not all anger is wrong anger. I pray that the Holy Spirit will create a boldness within us to not accept the status quo, that we need to raise our voice against issues that continue to destroy 
children's lives, the confusion that's in the lives of the children, the adults, they do what they want to do. They should know better. But when our government, when our country, when sinful people are endeavoring to confuse the lives and the minds of our children, telling them you're not a boy, you're a girl, you're not a girl, you're a boy. We need to raise up with our voice of indignation, with a righteous anger and say, that's not true. That's not right. That's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. We need to have a voice in our land today, church. And can you imagine if every person who claims to be a born-again Christian from coast to coast and border to border would rise up with the voice of righteous anger, righteous indignation, and express their heart. We're not here to be, uh, uh, we don't hate people. We hate what the enemy is doing to people. We do not accept issues that are endeavoring to be placed upon us that gay is okay. Gay is not okay. It's contrary to the word of the living God. But we are not haters of the gay people. We are not haters of kids that are walking in confusion with transgenderism. We love people because God loves us and his love flows forth from us. And that's why we want to tell them, you are walking into a place of great destruction and damnation. And we're trying to help you see the truth of the light that will give you eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's imperative and understanding that we need as a voice in righteous indignation to rise up. Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, be angry, okay, just don't allow it to lead you into sin. Jesus, his anger was righteous anger. Oftentimes our anger can be uh, an irritation. It can be fleshly, it bothers us. So we retaliate with a voice of anger. The psalmist said in Psalm 4, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight. Remain silent in the meantime. But this is talking about an unrighteous indignation. Someone has irritated, someone has frustrated you, someone has offended you. And before you respond with an answer of anger, the psalmist is telling us, think about it. Pray over it. Let peace overtake you. Let peace overtake you. Usually a quick answer spoken in anger is oftentimes the wrong answer. How many times have you responded to someone's critical words or an offense that you took into your heart and you responded with it with an irritation and then regretted what you said later? Because now the Holy Spirit has had time to deal with you and to speak to you and says you shouldn't have responded in such a way. I've already written letters to people who raised my shepherd's fur. And after I wrote a long letter to them, just venting, 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 my frustration and my anger and pointing out all their faults, I got it all on paper, then I ripped it up and threw it in the garbage. I felt much better, much better. A quick answer in anger is usually 
a wrong answer. And even if it is the right answer, chances are when it's expressed in indignation, not righteous indignation, but fleshly indignation, it won't be received. You ponder, you think about it, you pray about it. And that's not an easy thing to do. Psalm, or Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's talking about vindictiveness, retaliation. It's wrong. Take the time to pray. God is good. Take the time to pray about that before you respond. If you have to, write it out on paper. Get your frustration out then tear the paper up and throw it away and pray for that person. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm, your feelings want to overtake you. Your feelings want to control your, 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 your situation. Proverbs 15 verse 1 in the New Living Translation says this. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And that's why so much condemnation has been brought upon the church because there are those Christians that want to condemn those that walk in sin, want to condemn those that live lives contrary. And God is not condemning us, so what right do we have to condemn anyone else? Our purpose our, and God's plan for us is to convey the love of Jesus Christ and to bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ in order that they would be saved throughout all eternity and not have to experience the torments of hell. I say that's love and not hate. We have been branded in some ways as a hate ministry. And I feel very flattered by that in an odd sort of a way because it's by people who do not follow biblical principles. It's by people who do not adhere to the truth of the word of God. And because our church and because we speak truth and prayerfully, hopefully we speak it in love because we will not accept the agenda of the world because we will stand in righteous indignation, endeavoring to convey there's a local group of people that have branded our ministry as a hate ministry. But I look at it as a badge of honor because what it's telling me is that we are declaring the truth of the word of God and it's getting out into the community. Amen. Proverbs 15 verse 1 in the Passion Translation says, respond gently when you are confronted and you'll diffuse the rage of another. Recently I received an email from someone that said that our people, when they stand before the Hempfield School Board, are not acting very Christ-like. And really what this email was saying, coming from a very liberal individual, 
okay, because I happen to know this person personally, what it was saying is that what your people need to do is quit fighting against evil. Quit fighting against pornography in our schools. Quit fighting against those things that are going to destroy the minds of our children and just tell them to be passive. Show love and that way they'll win people to Christ. I did have to get a little bit of righteous indignation in my response to that. Thank you. <laughs> but again, the world wants us to accept what they are endeavoring to push upon us. And we have the spirit of God, the anointing of God within us that's saying we will not accept that. We love you, but we do not love your lifestyle. We do not love your way. No more than God loves our lifestyle if we're living in some form of sin. A soft answer, gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words, words that are spoken out of flesh, words are, that are spoken out of Retaliation will make tempers flare. Do you ever try to argue with someone who won't argue? It's very frustrating. They just will not argue. No matter how irritated you may be in this situation, they will not argue with you. That is not the case of my wife. She is more than willing to argue with me. And unfortunately for me, in most cases, she's right. I hate to admit it, but I'm sharing my fault and my sin before you. Okay? But it's difficult to argue with someone who refuses to argue. And she so frustrates me that when we need to argue about this, she walks away with a peaceful spirit upon her. <sighs> Fears, anger, anxieties, worry, sinful words, sinful actions, these and other things are bondages in our lives. But, but the anointing, the fatness, the abundance of the presence of God within our lives has been given to us to destroy every yoke of bondage, every yoke. Recently, I heard Bill Johnson, the pastor of Bethel, uh, say something that really intrigued me. He said, we possess all things. We have, I let me read it. I had this down. I even, I even as I heard it, I got my phone and I wrote it in my notes. Here it is. I have everything in my account. I have some things in my possession. And that struck me. I said, that is so true. Everything has been completed in Jesus Christ. I shared this with my wife, actually just walking down the hall this morning. Listen, let me read it to you again. I have everything in my account because the spirit of God lives within me. In Jesus Christ is the sum of all wisdom, all understanding. Jesus Christ lives in me, in you as a believer. 
through the form of the Holy Spirit. So I have everything in my account. I have some things in my possession. And I said, right, here's, a, here's a good illustration. I, I, I think it's a good illustration. Okay. I said to her, I said, you go, we go up to, up to the counter at Panera. And we order our whatever. We're going to order our bagel and our coffee and tea, etc. And they said, that'll be $9.95. And so we, we hand them $5. And they're waiting for the rest of it. And they said, well, uh, you still owe us $4.95. And, uh, uh, well, I don't have any more money in my possession. But I have $500 in my account. Okay. So it actually, even though you may have it in your account, you don't have it in your possession. Therefore, in, in, it's, it's, it's not worth anything at that particular moment because you don't have it in your possession. It can't buy me anything. I could have $10,000, $100,000, a million dollars in my account. But until I have it in my possession, it does me little to no good whatsoever. I still have a debt to pay of $4.95 regardless of how much money I have in my account. That doesn't impress them. That doesn't move them in any way. You owe us $4.95. That anointing now brings the fullness, every bondage, every bondage that we possibly could have, every bondage that we possibly could face is destroyed through the fatness or the abundance of God's presence operating in our lives. That is in our possession. Again, it could be there. You have it in your account but are you moving that anointing over into your possession? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about power and authority and the difference between the two. Authority is exousia. Power is dunamis. But here's something as I meditated on that. Power, authority, but it must flow through the anointing of the Spirit of God. It must flow through the anointing of the Spirit of God. Luke chapter 4, verses 33 through 36. This is powerful. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of, of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him into, into their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Verse 36, they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. For with authority, exousia and power, dunamis, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Power and authority must be channeled through the abundance of God's presence in your lives. Even though you possess the abundance of his presence in your spirit, you may not, and most of us do not, possess the abundance of his spirit or anointing in our soul. 
So therefore, as we live life, not walking in the spirit, but walking according to our soul, we cannot release that anointing in people's lives. Even though we have the head knowledge, the understanding that we possess authority and we possess power, but if we are not flowing in that anointing in our soul with our understanding by faith that you possess in your spirit, chances are it is going nowhere. Last week, I made a reference to the strong man, something that I saw that I did not see last week. Jesus said in Mark chapter three, he said, if you're going in, if, so if you're going into the strong man's house to take back what he has stolen first, and I thought, well, okay, the first point is that Jesus is endeavoring, and that's not what he's saying. He said, the first thing you must do is bind the strong man. This is not the first point in a list of points. This is the first thing that we as children of, of God need to do is bind the strong man. How do you bind the strong man? You do that with authority. Here again, you have the abundance of authority, but if it's not in your life and activated by faith, and that's how the anointing is activated by faith, Power and authority flow through the anointing. The anointing is activated by faith. Many Christians today will stand and endeavor to utilize because they've been taught, they have an understanding of exousia and dunamis, but they have not brought the anointing out of their spirit into their soul in order that that power and that authority can flow through it. So therefore, they're binding the devil. They're endeavoring to take authority over the circumstances, but they are not moving in faith. And the anointing is released by faith. So if you're endeavoring to come against the strong man, you must know who you are, where you are in Christ, and where you're not. Because if you're not flowing in this place of holy anointing in your soul, you have the knowledge, you have the completeness, you have the abundance, you have the fullness of the anointing in your spirit. But if you do not have that in your soul, as a man thinks in his heart, in his soul, so is he. You're just merely going through the motions and simply going through the motions is not going to bring the response that you're looking for. So when you're going into the strong man's house, first, first know that you must operate in authority. And that authority flows through the anointing. You must have the fatness or the abundance of God's presence, not only in your spirit, but operating in your life. And unfortunately, most of us, or many of us, I should say, or perhaps only some of us, are operating in that power of anointing, that level of anointing that has flowed over into our soul. Many of us do not know who we are in Christ. Many of us do not know what we possess in Christ. We hear about it, we read about it, but it has not captivated our soul. 
Therefore, we're merely endeavoring to come against the powers of hell through head knowledge and not faith. And that can get us frustrated or perhaps even worse. Oh, there's so much more I want to share with you, but we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. Remember what I said in John, John the Baptist said this in John 3. God gives Jesus the spirit without limit. God the Father has placed all things into the hands or under the authority of Jesus Christ. Who lives within your born-again spirit? The spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. We must take, that's the anointing. Jesus Christ was the expression of God's anointing in this world. He departs, sends forth the Holy Spirit that now can live within mankind. That anointing can live within mankind. Remember what he said to Pilate. Pilate he said to Pilate, you have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. No authority. Jesus Christ said no man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. We must, we must church flow in that anointing. If we're going to be effective, the anointing is within you. You possess or you have the abundance of all, of all things, but it may not be in your possession. You have it, but do you possess it? Are you living in it? Are you walking in it? Are you abiding in that anointing? And this should be the prayer of every child of God. Let the anointing presence of Almighty God that I have been anointed with, the Bible says that I have been anointed, let that holy presence guide my life, lead my life. And then when I confront or I'm confronted by a situation, I can be led by the Spirit of God because that anointing now has possessed my mind, possessed my thoughts, possessed my emotions, possessed my will. That anointing has taken control of me as it did with Jesus. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged by our service. We invite you to join us again next week. Our services go live every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and at wordoflife.church. And we also meet in person every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. If God is using our church to change your life and you'd like to help us lead people to life in Jesus through your generous giving, you can do so by visiting wordoflife.church give, or you can text your donation amount to 84321. Follow along with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you'd like to know more about what God is doing in and through Word of Life Church. God is doing incredible things here, and we are so honored that you chose to spend your time with us.